They probably should. It'd be pretty good, wouldn't it? They could, well, Kennesaw, it took Kennesaw State a long time to get there. It might take the UNLV a long time to get there, too. So maybe not. Um, Derek Carr is the New Orleans Saints. That's the big news of the morning. Uh, and Jameis Winston is expected to be released because of it. Nothing yet, on, nothing yet on money. We've not seen the details on how much money Derek Carr is going to make. So we, uh, Curious to see that. Hopefully, by the time we do a show tomorrow, we'll see how much money the Saints are paying Derek Carr because it's an interesting number that um, have an impact on what Jimmy Garoppolo makes, what could have an impact on what an Aaron Rodgers trades look like because he's going to have to restructure his Lamar deal. Jackson? Uh, I think Lamar Jackson doesn't know Derek Carr's name. And if you brought up Derek Carr in any sort of contract negotiation with Lamar Jackson, he would just leave. <laughs> Say, if you think I'm anything like him. You would just step up and go. <laughs> yes, I'm not around here. Uh, also, Golden Knights won yesterday with Jonathan Quick in net. Got his first win uh, as a member of the Vegas Golden Knights. They now start a five-game road trip. Uh, we'll see how the goalie breakdown ends up over the next five. Uh, but I thought this was an interesting story. You tell me how much you think it matters. Golden Knights are one of the oldest teams in the NHL. Senbin.Vegas wrote a story. Uh, 48% of the offense this year has come from players aged 30 or above. Only five teams in the NHL have received more ice time from guys aged 30 or older. Uh, The Golden Knights rank 25th in goals, 28th in assists, 26th in points, 29th in points per 60 minutes by players aged 26 or younger. How much does it matter that the Golden Knights are one of the oldest teams in the NHL? I guess it matters if they win the cup or not. You better win the cup now if you're that old. That's what it feels like, right? Like, it doesn't matter. It feels like there's the window. Unless you don't actually win something. And that was... if you win something, if you win at all, who cares? Right. And that was one of the interesting points uh, from Sinbin, that of the teams that are older than the Golden Knights... Washington, Pittsburgh, Boston, and the Islanders. All those but the Islanders have won a Stanley Cup in the last six seasons. Uh, Which means you've got some old teams. You've got teams older than Vegas in the league. But those teams have had the success, right? They've won something. And by the way, Boston is the greatest team in the history of the sport right now. Boston has 110 (laughs) points right now. Boston could not play the rest of their games and be the one seed in the the E or uh, their division. So... It doesn't really matter for this season if the Golden Knights are old, right? They're they're perfectly fine. This year's team is going to be competitive regardless of the age. It's more about the future, future. of this team and yeah. how long are they going to be good. And part of it that's interesting to me is the trade deadline aspect where the, the general idea would be if you're older, if your window is it's closing... Shorter you should be more aggressive at the deadline if you think you have a chance to win, to at, win all. at all. If you don't think you have a chance to win at all, you should be uh, very aggressive in 
bringing on younger assets or draft picks to try to get younger in the future. But if you think you can win it all, which the Golden Knights clearly think they can win it all this year, you should be more aggressive. And they weren't that aggressive at the deadline. I think one of the big no. ones, I mean, they didn't get Timo Meyer. Um, Patrick Kane didn't want to come. Yes. But I think the big one to me is is going to stick out as Jonas Corpusawa, where, yes, the LA Kings gave up a first round pick. Uh, they also got another player. They got a defenseman, not just Corpusalo. But the Golden Knights were not as aggressive on the goalie market as they could have been. And they ended up getting a goalie. But what did it cost them? A seventh round pick and Michael Hutchinson. That's about as unaggressive as you can be right. in it's terms nothing. of right, it's nothing. giving stuff up. And listen, maybe quick is fine. Maybe the Golden Knights are just simply better than L.A. and they beat L.A. anyway. And we look back and say, yeah, they didn't, didn't really matter. need it to. But I do think there's a chance we look back and say Golden Knights are a little bit older. Golden Knights have a window here. And they weren't quite aggressive enough at the deadline. They should have done a little bit more. And maybe the goaltending is the issue. Maybe Logan Thompson comes back and he's great. Um, you know, maybe maybe Laurent Brassois comes back in the three games that he played is who he really is, and he's one of the best goalies in the league. Right. But I think that's partially an issue. And here's my other question. How long do the Golden Knights, the front office, how long do they believe their Stanley Cup window is open right now? Handful of years. Is that too many? I have to define a handful. Five. Handful's five, right? No. No. I think Less it, than five? I, no, I think that's too many. Right. I think that's too many. But and I want to, you asked what I think they believe. Right. Yeah. No, what, what Kelly McCrimmon and George McPhee think they're going to be a Stanley Cup contender for five more years? Five more years. And I don't think you're wrong because Gary Lawless wrote a story that was trying to prove the exact opposite of the Sinbin story. And here's what Gary Lawless wrote. The Golden Knights, contrary to the notion that they chase every buster on the block, have quietly built a roster deep in 20-somethings with a combination of both the expansion and amateur drafts as well as trades, waiver claims, and free agency. Vegas is 16 players in their 20s on the roster and another 8 in their 30s. That total of 20-somethings ranks 12th in the NHL. That's probably the reason they think they have more of a window than they probably do. I took that Gary Lawless story as the Golden Knights trying to convince themselves that they're young. And that they have a, a chance to be competitive for a long time, which is probably not the reality of the situation. This team probably has a couple of years to do something. And to be honest, Mark Stone's back is already broken for the second right. time. It might not even be that long, given what their best player situation is health-wise. I think the Golden Knights are trying to convince themselves, well, we've got a bunch of 20-year-olds on the roster. Yeah, but they're Brett Howden. They're Michael Amadio. Like, yeah, you got 20-something-year-olds that make up the bottom six, but you don't, your best players are not 20-something-year-olds. They have some good defensemen that are in their 20s. Their best ones aren't. I mean, Theodore, but Theodore. Petrangelo's, Theodore their be- Petrangelo's the guy that doesn't right. come off the ice. That guy's not in his 20s. Right. Martinez and McNabb are two of, their, are two of their top four. They don't come off. They're, they're not in their 20s either. So Theodore and White Cloud. Yeah. And, again, White Cloud's good, but you're not winning the Stanley Cup because Zach White Cloud's your top-pair defenseman. Right. Right, They're, He's good because he's the third-pair defenseman with the Golden Knights. If he had to be the top-pair defenseman, if we fast-forward two years from now and it's White Cloud and Theodore as their top-pair defenseman because the other guys are too old, it's probably not very good. And I think that's the issue is who on this team is going to be really, really good three years from now? Probably Jack Eichel. Theodore. Probably Shea Theodore. And after that, I don't know the answer to that because the rest of the guys on the roster are going to be... 31 to 36 years old and when players start to decline 
and you also look at their prospect pool, they've got everybody who grades prospect rankings. They're bottom 10, bottom five in most of those. So Really, they've given them all up. They, yes, they have. They've traded them all away. So it's not like there's some Calvary coming right. of, oh, we've got these great prospects we're going to have up in the next couple of years. So to tie this all together, Golden Knights are old. They're, they are. It doesn't, doesn't matter how you want to look at it. The Golden Knights are an old team. But I think the Golden Knights are trying to convince themselves they're young. And they as a, a result, window. and as a result, they weren't aggressive enough at this trade deadline because they think, oh, we'll be good for five years. We don't have to go all in this year. When in reality, they probably have this year and maybe two more to be a legitimate Stanley Cup contender. And you don't even know how much they really have until you know about Stone. Right. And that's a big question mark, which I, I, mark. I don't blame the front office as much for that because no, you can't. I mean, it's you don't injuries. know what the situation right. is. It's two back injuries in less yeah. than a year. No, that's bad luck. Yeah. But this team, even without, St- I mean, I, I don't think they will. But even if Mark Stone doesn't come back, they can win the Stanley Cup. Mm-hmm. And I don't think they were aggressive enough at the trade deadline when they probably should have been, when they probably should have said. Specifically with a goalie? Yeah. Like, I think the Golden Knights rode the fence at the trade deadline. They went and got uh, depth forward in Teddy Bluger. They went and got Ivan Barbashev, who is playing on the first line, but is kind of a depth forward. And they went and got Jonathan like the worst goalie in the league. But they went and got a goalie to just be a body. And I think they either should have gone all in and said, how do we get Timo Meyer or Corpus Allo or both? Or they should have said, somebody want Keegan Colasar for a couple of draft picks? I think they should have. They could have conceivably been sellers at the deadline, which could have given them more of a five-year window. I I don't like the writing of the fence. I would have liked one extreme or the other. I just think they think it's a five-year window because uh, of what Gary wrote, and they're talking themselves into something. Right, might have too. And How many of them are here in five years? That's a great question. How many are healthy? <laughs> <laughs> How many are in the long term IR? It's Actually, the day ends and why. You know what? Here's another fun question on it. <clears throat> How long does Kelly McCrimmon and George McPhee think they're safe with their jobs? I mean, I think they think they're safe if they continue to get to the playoffs. But let's say they. Is that, is that the bar? It, just making the playoffs? For McPhee, I think. You think so? I like think if, they, if they this year and next year. Make the playoffs, but lose in the first, first round, round. Then I don't think McCrimmon's safe. Yeah, but you think McPhee still is after those two years? Be interesting to see. I, it would be curious to see after a year where they missed the playoffs and fired the coach, if they got bounced in the first round this year again. Would they look? Of, would they look at that making it and then getting bounced? Yeah. Would they look at that as we need to? I don't think they look at it as a success if they won the Pacific Division. Would fully look at it as I need to blame somebody. I need to. Right. Somebody needs to pay for this. Or would he say, no, we had a good regular season and the playoffs are kind of a crapshoot and we lost. Well, they'd probably call Bruce to the owner's office. <laughs> Poor Bruce Cassidy. Poor Bruce Cassidy. He'd be like, wait a minute, you guys do this a lot. He's got a goalie that doesn't like winning, and now he's like, I got fired for doing what? So you guys are saying right here today, cup in five. Isn't this year six? <laughs> no, I'm saying he's saying that they got five more years left. Oh, so. five more. Oh, geez. This might be year seven. 17? We cannot count. This is year six. Has to be year six. I love that we have Dan- Degenerate Danny's in here counting on his fingers. And he's not, that six. was the least convincing six. thing I've ever seen. It's six. You put up five and then like, wait, it's six. 17, 18, oh my God, he's doing it again. Can't even do it the first time. 21, 
Nice. Year six. All right, it's year six. <laughs> you know what would actually be funny? So if we knew that already won that the would top. be nice. I was counting with my fingers also. Well, no. If if Bill Foley, if like let's say they make the Western Conference final and lose, I would find it hilarious if Bill Foley came in and said McPhee. I said cup and six. <laughs> <laughs> that would be hilarious if that's what Bill was like. I told everybody from the start, great job, you made the playoffs and won, but where's the cup? Would be funny if he did that. But it's a it's a fascinating team. I love that the Golden Knights are our hockey team in Vegas. Well, there's a lot of news. Of they're one. Like, they're the one of the most interesting teams. The only thing better would be again. The only thing better would be if Aaron Rodgers came to the Raiders. Oh, yes. Because well, that'd be entire shows. All I NFL teams in general are very interesting. We might have the most interesting combination of hockey and football team in the in mm-hmm. the United States. Like the Raiders haven't actually been good since they've been here. They didn't make the playoffs. They haven't actually been good, and they're just chaos every single year. They benched their starting quarterback with two games to go this they're season. They're afraid that he might get hurt and they'd be on the hook for millions right. of dollars. And then let him walk for nothing, and he's about to sign for like $50 million guaranteed. One of their cornerbacks was just wrecking rental cars. And that's not, and even, that top not even top 10. That was just he, like David no Arnett wrecked four rental cars in like a month. Jared, what are the odds if we can't get the long snapper, we could get Aaron Rodgers on the show? <laughs> If he I was think, a Raider, I think we yes. have to start promoting ayahuasca, and then he's oh, and then he's yeah. coming I will on the say show. That we do have a company, a corporate company policy against s- s- advertising certain things. We do, yes. Oh, even here. All right, we can't do that. Well, okay, we can promote darkness, right? That's not against company yeah, rules. No, no, no. We can just be like, we do the show in the dark the every yeah, morning. We can do this, turn out the lights right now, Danny. Turn the lights out. <laughs> And we can promote uh, the, this is what we do. No, Danny gives us our little fruit plate Danny, turn through the, the door. Danny, for a second. Let's see what it looks like. We got, oh, a, we got a giant Let's window see. here. You're not even going to yeah, notice. This is actually, this isn't bad. The TV this isn't is bad. Good. The yeah. TV, yeah. You it's got not dark. There's it. a window. Of it's course it's enough. not bad. It's dark enough. Danny's, Danny's going to stand in the window. <laughs> a, little more to the, a little more to your right. Danny's supposed to deliver our fruit plate. He can't also block out the window. Make it two, Danny. We get two meals a day. Coming up next on ESPN Las Vegas, it's Bischoff's Briefs. So we had a fun report over the weekend from John Canzano about the Pac-12. The Pac-12 CEO group voted to approve further exploration of four universities for conference expansion. I have learned. Uh, he did clarify it doesn't mean the Pac-12 will add four more schools. They could do anywhere from zero to four based on this um, recommendation. Also, that it is the university presidents, not this weird CEO group, that will make the ultimate yeah. decision. So this doesn't actually mean they are adding four schools. But this was the most interesting part to me. UNLV is not... Among the expansion candidates, a university source confirmed on Friday. The academic profile of the university apparently does not fit the objectives of the Pac-12 presidents and chancellors. Okay, so explain this to me. Um, They now have medical school. They have a a very good law school. They have Um, two highly successful producers in radio in the room. In the room. (laughs) One who turned the lights out. Um... Does that surprise you when it says that the one thing holding them back would be 
the educational prowess of the university, given apparently, and these guys would know more than I would in terms of how they've supposedly improved that over time. Does anybody is UNLV actually a good school though? Like that, yes, well, you you have a medical school or you have I mean, that R one designation. Context that they're a better school than they've been. I mean, I will no? say that I got about ten points higher on my ACT than required to get into the school. So it's kind of everyone's check clears, but you know, UNLV has done a lot in recent years to improve, yes, to improve its academic, academic um, appearance, the status of it. Right. Right. But when you're coming from the bottom, getting slightly better, is does that the Pac-12 was basically saying uh, that doesn't matter they, to them. Obviously, they don't think it matters. Um, the fascinating part to me, though, what four schools are a better option than UNLV for the Pac-12? San Diego State and SMU, they've met with the athletic or the uh, president. president of the Pac-12, right? Like those two seem to be number one and two. John Canzano, he didn't know the other two. He wrote that Colorado State is a possibility for the third and fourth ones that they would be considering. Boise State, by the way, not a candidate. Fresno State, not a Those candidate. Those have been more linked to the Big 12. Right. And so if it's if it's San Diego State, SMU, and maybe Colorado State, and then it's not UNLV, it's not Boise State, it's not Fresno State, is it Tulane? Is it think, Rice? I don't think it'd be another Mountain West. Team. It can't be. There's no. There's no. There's no one in that league. You've mentioned. I mean, you even kind of skirting there with Colorado State, right? I think like it, it, if New Mexico got an invite before UNLV, right? That UNLV just has to shut down at, yeah. at the athletic department at that point. Like, there's just no way. So, if it's not UNLV or Boise State or even Fresno State. It has to be a non-Mountain West team. Do they want team. the academics of the other two schools you just mentioned? I don't know enough about the other schools' academics to have any idea if they're any good. Well, Rice is terrific. So I don't know as much about Tulane. I don't either. They're in New Orleans. They're, Do you know, Jared? Their frat row is like just on the street. You can just walk into it and drink <laughs> and walk out. Uh, but maybe they got good academics, too. I have no idea. But it's to me, it's it's a horrible reality check for UNLV. If, if in the, fact, this is true. If the Pac-12 extend, expands by four and you are not one of the four. Like, if they expand by two and it's San Diego State and SMU, okay. But if they go and get Colorado State and Rice or Tulane or something like that over you, you're never going to be in a power conference. That's You're just never going to be in one. If the Pac-12 adds four, you got no shot. Turn it around on you. The Big 12... And the Big Ten, whoever comes and gets Arizona, Arizona State, Oregon, Washington. I mean, doesn't the Mountain West and Pac-12 morph into one conference? So the report from The Athletic. The Pac-12, excuse me, the Big 12 has been in recent contact with Arizona, Arizona State, Colorado, and Utah. Colorado and Utah, okay. And has renewed optimism about convincing them to join. And reported that that could happen in March. We're We're in in March. March. Conceivably, the Pac-12 could lose those four schools. That does not include Oregon and Washington. Which, by the way, what happens if if those if the Arizona schools, Utah and um, Colorado. Colorado, all went to the Big Twelve? What the hell happens to Oregon and Washington? Are they begging the Big Ten for an yeah. invite? Does the Big Ten they're say to get out, they're looking around and saying, "Wait a minute, we're playing the Mountain West"? Right. 
and then you end up with just two. And if if the Pac-12 is already is going to take San Diego State, you sort of have just two gross conferences in the West that I guess have to merge. That's what I'm saying. Or or merge four. If the Pac-12 lose four more, and you're right, Oregon and Washington. What about us? And you know the Big Ten says, okay, we'll take you. It becomes the Mountain West. I mean, you Washington if, State and Oregon State are on their way. Washington State women's basketball team. Uh oh, if, if MLB might be in trouble. If all of those schools left, you'd be left with Oregon State, Washington State, Stanford, and Cal. Right. Those would be the only. That's not a and conference. None of these reports have concluded Stanford and Cal. Yeah, that. So that's four schools. That's not a conference. No. Now they conceivably add San Diego State and SMU. And maybe Colorado State, and we'll just say Tulane for the time being. And now you have eight, and that's kind of a conference. But then the Mountain West is Boise, UNLV, New Mexico, everybody, Fresno. everybody but San Diego State and Colorado State at that point. I, I guess if you're the Pac-12, you add four more Mountain West schools. That's what I'm saying. That conference could I, morph into a glorified Mountain West. Yeah, it's the it's the Mountain West with with. Stanford and Cal, basically. And Washington State and Oregon State. Stanford and Cal are looking around. Wait a minute. What happened to our yeah. academic buddies? Wait a minute. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> we're now in a... We, we rejected UNLV because their academics were bad, and now we got even schools with even worse academics <laughs> than UNLV around us. So I, I... At the end of the day, I don't think the Big 12 takes four schools from the Pac-12. Why wouldn't they have before? Right. That's and that's my thing. If that, they already if, took schools, if this was going to happen, I feel like they would have taken them. Big Twelve already took the Houston's, the, yeah. the the BYU's. So I don't feel like those four go. I do think if the Big Ten ever asked Oregon and Washington are gone oh, in a they'd second, they'd walk there. They'd walk there. Um, but ultimately, I think there will be enough schools out here for a Pac-12 to exist. I think the bad uh, situation UNLV finds itself in is that they are not a desirable addition for the Pac-12, and I don't know according what changes to the source. that. Right, according to John Canzano, and I don't know what changes that in the future. Coming up next here on ESPN Las Vegas, Joe Scott joins the show. Jackson loses the ball, Vic Iwako dives for it, and they call a foul on Vic, and that is Come on, unbelievable. Man. Both players diving for the basketball. That is a horrible, horrible call. Text Granny and Bischoff at 69187 with the word ESPN. The Mountain West Tournament is in Las Vegas this week. The women's side already underway. The Lady Rebels play at noon today against Nevada. And joining us now, the head coach of the Air Force men's basketball team, Joe Scott. Good morning, Joe. How are you today? Okay, how are you guys doing? We are good. So, all right, uh, what is it about March as a basketball coach that excites you the most? Uh, Well, I mean, I think it just, you know, obviously... That's all of college, but the general public thinks college basketball is. You know, they get all wound up this time of year. For for me, coaching wise, I just think it's developing your team, seeing how they grow through the year, and then you know you got to get to the point where the players understand. You know, you get into late February, you get into early March, and March there's just something about basketball that time of the year, college basketball, and you got to know what that is. You know, and you got to understand what that is and in some way shapes and form it's almost like you know there comes a time in the year where the games are pretty and then you get to that time of the year and for whatever the reason is the games get a little ugly so you know and there's a reason why 
and you got to be able to handle that. You know, like your team as an individual player, you got to be able to handle that as a team. And from a coaching standpoint, I know for me that's sort of what we're focused on because that's what you got to be able to handle come this time of the year. Well, you guys uh, just played UNLV, who you play in the first round of the Mountain West tournament, and it was a pretty ugly game. Um, what has to go uh, right? What's got to be different for you guys in the second matchup with UNLV to pull off a win in advance? Well, I mean, I just think we got to be ready to do what we did last game. I mean, we, uh, it, like you said, it, it's, it was late February. It's a little bit of an ugly game, and... Uh, you know, I think we did what we needed to do to, to win that game. And we got to figure out, uh, again, on the road, you know, it's a tournament, but, you know, on the road against UNLV, we got to figure out a way to, you know, be in the game. We got to be tough. We just got to fight through whatever happens in the game. We got to make the game sort of be played the way we want it to be played, uh, which we were able to do the last time. And we got to do that again, and if you if you're doing that, then then you're in the game, and you got to figure out a way then to win the game. And that's the one thing we didn't do, you know, ten days ago is we didn't figure out and do what you had to do to win the game. We did everything else, and I just want to see us be in the same position again. Coach, when you came back uh, to the league, uh, what was different? People, we've had a lot of coaches on the last two weeks who said this is the best the league's been since they can remember. Do you agree with that? And and, and what differences did you see in it, if at all? Well, I mean, I, I, I agree that uh, the, the, it's a very good league. Uh, you know, all the teams are unbelievably competitive. I think what makes it just different right now, it's just different times. You know what I mean? I think when you throw in the COVID and all, you got all these old guys in the league. <laughs> you got all these guys that are 23, 24, 25 years old, and uh, you got teams with three and four of those guys who have been playing together. You know, it's not like they, they just brought them all in uh, for one-year stints. You know what I mean? These guys are older, and they're on these teams that are good teams, and they're good because they've actually been playing together for the last two and three years. Uh, and I think anytime you get 23-, 24-year-old college guys that have played 125 college games, 130 games, and they've been playing together, well, of course they're going to be good, and I think that's what this league is right now. And I don't know when it's going to end because I, I don't know what years these guys are. I, mean, I don't know how many years. I, don't, I can't keep track anymore. Uh, Just so, got but with I this. know there's a bunch of teams. Almost all the teams in the league are like that, you know, and that's why the league's really good. You got good players, you got older players, you got good coaches. Just got with us the head coach of Air Force. Um, so how often uh, are you having to look up your own roster to see who's got more eligibility and who can come back for another season or two? I'm the only coach in the league that doesn't have to do that. <laughs> I, I'm the only one that has young guys. I'm the only one that has freshmen because I don't have transfers. We're not taking transfers. So, you know, I'm the only one, Air Force is the only one that the opposing coaches, know, oh, that guy's graduate. what is it like what is it like as a coach at air force where you guys uh don't have transfers it's not in the transfer portal when that has been such a big narrative in college basketball and in the mountain west too where we see a lot of transfers having big impacts what's it like watching basically from afar while everybody else is is using the portal every offseason now I mean, I've said this, and I'm not saying this like negative. Like, I'm the only coach that's still coaching college basketball, you know, where, 
you know, you get guys, you develop them. They take an 18-year-old kid, you coach him, you recruit him out of high school, you develop them, and you do it for four and five years. And, wow, look, that kid got to be good. And you make a team out of those guys. You know, I, it doesn't, to your point, that doesn't happen anymore in college basketball, really, because, you know, everybody takes the portal. And uh, like I was saying, I think our league's really good because that's the case. You throw in the extra COVID year. These guys have been together, you know what I mean? But once that ends, if you're just going in the portal for one-year guys and guys are transferring all the time, I then do think it's hard to build a team that way. Uh, so, But for me, that's the way we're going to do it. Obviously, it's going to why it's going to take four and five years, you know, because we need to get to the point where we have juniors and seniors. And, you know, I think it, we've made a lot of progress here over the last two years. I know we're way better than we were, you know, a year, you know, a year ago. And we got to get to where we got juniors and seniors. And when we have juniors and seniors, then, you know, that'll be the time where we will say, okay, you know, what, what kind of push can we make now? You know, we've made a push already with all these young guys. And now we got to get to where we have juniors and seniors. And that'll be sort of the next stage in, in the development of our program. Does this portal coach just completely get bigger? Thousands and thousands of kids now in it. Is there any is there any purpose at the end of the tunnel that this doesn't just continue to grow every year? Yeah, I don't, I, I don't, I don't see how it stops. You know what I mean? It's like it's like anything else. I mean, you know, once you let the genie out of the bottle, you know what I mean? It never goes back in. I mean, uh, and I think that's what's happened here. It's just the nature of the beast. It's kids transfer. Uh, it's all over the place, and I don't, I don't see how it's going to stop or why it's going to stop. You know, and uh, you know, I do think when the COVID thing ends, that's going to do something. You know, but when you throw that extra year in with the transfers, uh, you know, and some of these guys are older too now because they transferred before you could play right away, so they'd already sat out. You know what I mean? So that makes them even that makes them even older. Uh, but I think it's, you know, it's just going to keep being that way with the transfer port. I don't know what it's, you know, I don't know why it's that way, you know, uh, but I know on some level kids are just going to keep doing it and coaches I know are just going to keep going to the portal because if that's the way it is, you know, I know most coaches are like, well, why would I take an 18-year-old kid when I can get a 22-year-old kid who's played, who's played 100 games maybe or has played 60 games? You know, you can't that, that experience and that physical strength coupled with that experience. You know, that's that's what college basketball is right now, and uh, that's the fight we're fighting. I think we've done a good job, but that's the fight we fight every night we go out there with you know all these freshmen and sophomores. Just got with us, head coach of Air Force. Uh, one thing I'm curious on the coaching side. We're going to see in a Mountain West tournament. It'll be the second and third times all of these teams have played each other. Uh, it's a conference where you know you know each other pretty well. How much can you actually change from a coaching standpoint? How much can you change for a second or a third matchup with the team once you get to the Mountain West tournament? I mean, I think I think you can only change sort of uh, if you have you know a system where you know, that's available to you, you know what I mean, where your players know it and then you have all these little tweaks that you can do. Uh, if you don't really play that way, uh, I think what it comes down to, and, you know, most of the good teams, it's not really changing. It's just, okay, you know, I, I don't think San Diego State's going to do one thing different. You know what I mean? They got, they're good. They know they're good. You know, same with all the top teams in the league. We said they got all these older guys. They know who they are. 
they've won 20 some odd games doing it that way. And now you go out into the tournament and it's sort of who's going to uh, be able to do it for 40 minutes. You know, who's going to handle how tough it's going to be, who, you know, uh, and I think because of that, you find in March, you find out like a guy, you know, whether it's who's a guy that you didn't expect to come through, all of a sudden that guy came through in that game, you know what I mean? He hits three big threes. Or is it the guy who is the guy, he just, he's the guy. You know what I mean? He puts up numbers. I think that's the way teams win in March, you know what I mean? They have their guys, their main guys, just play really well. Or they're able to find, you know, the fourth and fifth guy that goes ahead and, as a big game, and those are the teams I think that do well in these tournament settings. Well, he is Joe Scott, Air Force's head coach. UNLV takes on Air Force on Wednesday in the first round of the Mountain West Tournament. Uh, Joe, we appreciate your time this Thanks, morning. Thanks, Coach. Good talking to you. All right, good talking to you guys. Thanks for having me on. So there is Joe Scott from Air Force, which, by the way, we've talked a lot about um, the Mountain West this year being better and the bottom of the Mountain West being uh, more improved than it usually is. And San Jose State's gotten a ton of credit for that because they've been really good. Air Force this season, uh, they're only 5-13 and 13 in the Mountain West, but just Ken Palm rating, they're 146. It's the best Ken Palm rating Air Force has had since 2013. Like, even though Air Force hasn't really been good this right. season, they're still much better than usual. I mean, last year under Joe Scott, they were 269, right? And this year they're 146, which has been a big reason why the Mountain West has teams that are really high in some of the like why is Utah State so damn high in net and Ken Palm? Because in the Mountain West you don't play bad teams. Right. right? I mean one forty six if that's your worst team at Wyoming's actually a little bit worse, but that's good. Like right. that's good for your conference if that's the worst team you have. Whereas in the past, Air Force has been in San the two hundreds and the three hundreds. Yeah. They've had for years the Mountain West has had two teams that have been outside the top two fifty, like almost every single season. And this year uh, they don't have a single one, which helps a lot because you don't have a bad team dragging you down. If you lose to them, or even like we've seen, if you just beat them by five or six, right, that hurts you too. Or you beat them because they can't inbound the ball. That happens. That happens sometimes. <laughs> they really did throw that game away against UNLV. They ha- if they inbound the ball, I think it's over. They win the game. Yeah. yeah. But Jackie Johnson got a steal, and yeah. then there's a missed shot and a rebound and, and all that. Harkless but- followed. Uh, yes, Harkless had the game-winning right. tap in after a Gilbert Droven missed, and then Harkless tipped it in, and UNLV won what was the ugliest game of the season. Uh, but now, we've got two tickets to give away to go to the Mountain West Basketball Tournament. These tickets are for Friday, March 10th, session number 8. 702-364-1100. That is the phone number if you want to go to the Mountain West Tournament on Friday. 702-364-1100 is the phone number. Be caller number 8 right now. One of the lines, one of the lines he said was, inadvertently, he got through this line that I wrote for him, and he's like, KD, let's work out together so I can finally teach you to be strong enough to carry your own team. (laughs) Oh, no, no, why did I say that? No, he was so adorable. Oh, KD, no, I love you, KD. But then Skip Bayless, this morning, just ripped out that little clip of Giannis going to camera and being like, KD, you need to get stronger so you can carry a team on your back. And then Skip's dumbass is like, see, that is so mean to Kevin Durant. <laughs> because we all know he has thin skin. I'm like, wait a second, Skip. Are you trying to big up Kevin Durant by talking about Kevin Durant? <laughs> That's the vexing thing I hate about being 
a part of the media. It's this clickbait, Instagram reels, TikTok media grift of like, oh, if I just snip out the right amount. The part is, is Skip is perpetuating the very same reason why professional athletes don't go on any of these shows. Jared looks panicked. What just happened? Oh, the wrong thing. Okay. <laughs> is my mic on? It's about to fall. Who knows? Yeah, no, your mic's fine. If that mic doesn't fall while we're on the air in the next couple of weeks, I will be disappointed. Uh, Jared gave me the bad karma saying it's going to fall on the laptop. I don't like that. I no, then you get a new laptop. Have you met my wife? <laughs> I just wanted to fall. Uh, I, I'm pretty sure the the lovely people at Lotus Broadcasting would be paying for the new... <laughs> We have made we have made engineering aware that your microphone is hanging <laughs> by a thread. Yeah, it's a good mic. It's a good studio. I like this studio. <laughs> I actually really like this studio, to be honest with you. We is need that... one more mic. Yeah, who needs mics in a radio studio? Is our studio, uh, they jackhammer up the concrete yet? I mean, I've I been sick. Think... Danny? Oh, Danny? that's right. You weren't here. Uh, I haven't heard anything. You don't have a mic, Danny. Stop asking him questions. He doesn't have a mic. I can vaguely point mine at him. All right, hold on. I got a tweet to read you guys. Uh, this is from uh, Garner on Twitter. UNLV requires a 2.0 high school GPA. That is equivalent to just showing up. I have a master's from UNLV, and the majority of students are idiots. I think this guy was on the Pac-12 CEO group to determine so, if UNLV should get invited. Yeah, I might be the Pac-12 CEO. <laughs> I, will, I will say that when I attended UNLV, the amount of people on skateboards just... Sort of just skateboarding around campus that I'm like, okay, I just, I've been to classes and I've also just sat out here smoking during classes. Y'all don't go to classes. You just are like, it's good concrete, man. I'm going to go skate around UNLV. I, I'll go back to my uh, surprise that uh, they're, they're considered this. I think their tier has improved with the medical school. But again, I'm not the CEO of the pac I don't know what they're they have the... thinking of or looking looking for in this entire spectrum of, I mean, I, I don't know. I mean, I, I, you know, is San Diego State that much better academically? No, but they live in a market that they that, that conference wants. So I think it goes from school to school on what you think they bring to the table. I think they want the Southern California market now that USC and UCLA is leaving. I think that's much bigger than, hey, are their academics on par with some of these other schools? I don't, doesn't UNLV have like the number one or number two hospitality college oh, yeah. in, the United, in States? the United States? It's like them in Miami are constantly yeah. like fighting over that. And their law school is ranked high. Their law school is ranked high. I, I, isn't that like, I'm not going to say. Isn't like having the best backup long snapper? Who the hell cares if you have a good hospitality school? The only people that care is this city. And Miami and Macau. And, <laughs> yeah. you like, know. I get it. Yeah, you got a great hospitality school, but nobody's like. Oh, you hear about the hospitality school at that other college? So, usnews.com. UNLV is the 285th best academic college in the country. That's about that, that's pretty good Ken Palm, right? San Diego State is 151. Okay. So, we're not talking significantly higher. No. I mean, well, okay. That probably is significantly higher. We're not talking about San Diego State as some great, unbelievable university right. that you have to have because of its academics. Right. But 
it is better than UNLV. Again, I mean, I've got the diploma at home. <laughs> this must be a bad college. <laughs> I mean, it's just like, I mean, I've, got, I've got it somewhere at home. <laughs> I don't know if I have it. So, like, I don't know. I think it's just a matter of what... Is it a matter of snobbery? Oh, 100%. Oh, yeah. yes. Uh, but by the Pac-12. If you're looking around saying we're only going to add schools if you have the right academic standing Portfolio, or whatever yeah. the hell we want, 100%. Yeah. I mean, the Big Ten did some of that, too. Where when they were when they've expanded in the past, they've been like, "Well, the Big Ten president's going to accept a lesser academic university." It's like, who the hell cares? We're playing football on TV and seeing how much money Fox (laughs) will pay you for it. Like that's what we're doing here. We're not trying to figure out how good your research is or your damn hospitality school. So, who cares? It is absolutely snobbery. One hundred percent. It is. Is them being snobs about it? It's. I'm just going to blame Stanford and Cal, even though it's probably more than just them, but. It's Stanford looking around saying, you want us to play in a conference with UNLV? It's like, yeah, you're just playing them in football. And like, who cares if the volleyball team isn't as smart as your volleyball team? It's fine. Everybody's going to be okay. Serve, set, spike. Yeah, stupid. So who cares about your academics? Which I think the problem for UNLV, there's no one thing to point to to say, you should add us because this is really good. Dance team. It's not even an NCAA sport. You're not really good at football. You're not really good at basketball. Your market's not great. It's not bad. 40th, it's not bad. It's not but it's bad not market. great. It's not a must-have market. Your academics aren't great. Like, UNLV is kind of okay at everything. Well, the football program's not very good. But UNLV's kind of like, hey, we have decent facilities. We have a decent academic rating. We have a decent basketball history. We have a decent market. But none of it's like, oh, we have to have that. UNLV has this, and we have to have it. They don't have that. They just kind of have a lot of okay things, which the Pac-12 was apparently not interested in. They lead the they lead all the schools in guys screaming at you with a megaphone in front of the <laughs> library about how you're going to hell. Are you sure? Uh, I think, I don't know. You got to go to some colleges in the South. Yeah. <laughs> well, I think those are just other students. <laughs> <laughs> We're here. It's... <laughs> but like for, as an example, Boise State with their football program is in the market of Las Vegas. They're already in a power conference. Yeah. Okay, but then what does San Diego State offer? The market? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Southern California. Yeah. And even though it's probably a stretch to say they give you Los Angeles, of colleges in that area... I still think Los Angeles is going to be USC and UCLA. Right. But of colleges in that area, there's there's nothing better that they could go get than San Diego State. Right. Right. You lose USC and UCLA, what's next? San Diego State. I mean, that's it. There's not going to be anything that upstages them in that market. So that's what they give you. <laughs> what, Danny, what did DeGeneres He said say? Pepperdine. <laughs> Come on, DeGeneres. Well, it's a beautiful campus. Pepperdine and USD are going to take over San Those Diego State. Those are beautiful State. campuses, man. <laughs> so they need to get the Pac-12 support- CEOs on a visit yes, to I've, see the beautiful campus? I've supported USD many ways <laughs> in the last four years. Does San Diego State not have a beautiful campus? <laughs> It does. It All does. Right. Most overrated thing in the world, beautiful campus. Everybody says that about Ole Miss. I'm like, it's just trees and grass. Forget about it. I'm not here to look at grass. We'll be fine.